0: On this edition of PMEA's Take Note Podcast, we are talking to one of the leading voices of music education here in Pennsylvania on today's PMEA's Take Note Podcast. to this edition of pmea's take note podcast i'm mark despotakis and we are doing another one of these on the road with real life humans uh, we are here in the poconos recording this while we are at uh, the pmea conference at the kalahari resort uh, and one of the uh, session rooms behind us. And uh, joining me, as you can see, a real-life human. Turns out I've been called worse, you know. Yes, uh, <laughs> we, can, we can prove it. It's not, he's not just somebody on Zoom or something. That's yeah, right, yes. that's right. Uh, Dr. Jonathan Helmick, uh, Associate <laughs> Professor of Music at Silver Rock University mm-hmm. and Director of Bands yep. there. yep. Thanks. Pleasure to be here, Mark. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Oh, you this, got this it. Is, this is great. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I look at you as kind of one of these thought leaders uh, in Pennsylvania and really, I mean, in the nation as far as music education goes. Um, so forward thinking in the programming uh, well, thank you. and very particularly the, the marching band uh, at Silver Rock. Yeah. We try to hit both areas. You Which know. is so crucial, right? And it you, is. And you do both well. Well, thank you. You're very kind. Yes. Well, it's, it's very true. So, but let's uh, let, let's kind of level set for anyone sure. out there who might not know you, which I can't believe that would exist, because I mean, <laughs> you, you you become such a part of of PMEA and the Pennsylvania music scene while you've, you've been uh, in the state. But give us kind of the elevator speech of who you are. Sure. I mean, I'm originally from Ohio. I graduated from the
1: University of Akron. I studied with Bob Jorgensen and, and Tucker Jolly, who are my two heroes. Um, and if anybody who's you know from that area, Bob Jorgensen. Was past president of the American Bandmasters Association, and he was also one of the uh, the principal euphonium players, I shouldn't say one of the, but principal euphonium player in the uh, the Army uh, Field Band. And if you're a euphonium player like I am, and you're sitting in that ensemble, it's it's a very real experience, you know. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get more real than that. Um, so he was sort of my inspiration. And while I was there, I, would, I studied music education. I also got a master's degree in music performance uh, on euphonium, uh, and then. I didn't quite know if I wanted to jump right into public school teaching, if I wanted to you know, do a little bit of travel, try the, the euphonium thing a little bit. And then it was my last year in my master's degree program, and this guy by the name of Tom Friskillo came up from the University of Southern Mississippi, and he guest conducted the ensemble. I fell in love, absolutely fell in love. He was brilliant as a conductor and as a human being, and I thought, you, you have it both. You have right. both of those things. I want to study with you. So he, at the very end of conducting, said, uh, you know, it's been a pleasure, um, but unfortunately, you know, we're probably not going to be under my baton again because I'm retiring in about two years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I thought, if I'm going to jump, I need to go now. So I went to the University of Southern Mississippi. I knew nobody in Mississippi and it was probably one of the best decisions that I made. I taught public school down there. I also taught in the community college level and then wound my way back up to Slippery Rock University. So,
0: Yeah, you know, interesting piece of that when you say like that, that one thing, right, changed, mm-hmm. you know, kind of changed your life. Well, a couple things changed your life in there, but, but like the going to the Mississippi piece of that, you know, uh, your good friend Cameron Jenkins who's yeah. been a part of what we do, talks a lot about... Relationships. Those, and just, yes. Those things that happen. Mm -hmm. And that's really interesting. Yours is the Mississippi connection.
1: Absolutely. And for anybody out there, like I know we all have expectations of what this career can, should, whatever look like for us, you know, in general. Whenever you feel your intuition and a door open, walk through it at least peek to the other side. You never know what's gonna happen.
0: Yeah, uh, it's funny, like I always say, I look at these uh, things in my life where I could have, you know, said yes or no, or I could have not even tried to do X, Y, Z thing. And uh, had I not done it, right, like mm-hmm. I wouldn't have, this wouldn't have happened, and this wouldn't have happened, I and mean, this wouldn't So it's it's good to look back Absolutely. and do that, and I just love that yours is that Mississippi connection. Yeah, Pennsylvania. oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> So you're 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 out. Uh, you're one of these people also I, who I don't think actually ever sleeps. Um, yeah, yeah. It's the caffeine that keeps okay, me going. Okay, all right. So you know, full teaching load, but you're you're out guest conducting a mm-hmm. lot, um, and and you're at every conference there is. I mean, you're wow. you're out there seeing the reality plus teaching your own students who mm-hmm. are who are in the reality. So I'm just curious, you know, from your perspective, like what do you see? Like what are the trends out there? What is music education? like now? That is
1: such a big, all-encompassing question. So I'm, I'm going to give you not necessarily what I see, but kind of what I feel from the students that are coming in, but also getting to guest conduct and getting to, you know, go to these different conferences and see what's happening obviously like we're seeing uh, a lot in terms of music diversifying right and and bringing different aspects of like what can be done through music all of under this umbrella of we want to make sure that we're teaching music for music's sake we also want to make sure that we're connecting people right especially post pandemic and even with students coming into programs majors or non-majors right we're not talking about like just career like future music educators but they're all looking for connection, And there is something in this craft that you can't get through math necessarily that is this instant bond between people. It's this shared language, and you know just I mean, just on a surface level, that language is so important to communicating meaning mm-hmm. and feeling and emotion. And I think that's part of what students are craving both at the collegiate level, but also elsewhere. And not just students, but communities, right? We're even seeing people coming into community ensembles or attending concerts uh, more regularly, at least that's what I'm seeing right? as right. far as that goes. And I think it's all be- under that umbrella of like we, we want to feel like we're part of a community again and we want to be able to participate in building community.
0: So then, what is that like then uh, at the collegiate level? Uh, Because students coming into those programs Mm -hmm. are different and have different expectations, Uh, but also you have to be forward thinking and realize that the students and that that your students at at the college level are gonna go teach also have different expectations. Sure. And maybe it's fair to say it's always been like that, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of hyper like that Mm -hmm. right now. Yeah, yeah. I I think I think I understand kind of where you're going with this.
1: Um, when students, especially now, post-pandemic, when they come in to um, to audition or to participate just in like a high school band day or something like that, I I notice that the the variety of maybe not variety is is the the differences we'll say in like preparation, but also expe- expectations for what they're going to encounter when they get there. It's mm-hmm. in many ways a tale of two cities. Okay. You know? And some students are, are, are very aware they've had access in terms of you know, private lessons or coaching from you know, a mentor and they, they know what they're getting into and they kind of know what to expect. And then there's other students, and I'm going to give a little bit of myself to this, I didn't have, when I was getting ready to go to college, I didn't really have lessons. We didn't have theory. Um, I, didn't know, I didn't know that music theory was a thing until I just kind of accidentally, uh, one of my friends had gone on to music school and she came back and we were very close. She went to uh, Youngstown State, her name was Miranda, and she sort of coached me through all of these things mm-hmm. that I was going to have to think about. And one of them was theory. And, and I went and took a, a lesson with Tucker Jolly, the University of Akron, and he talked to me a little bit about it, and he said, have you, have you been prepping for this? And I said, no, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. He's like, okay, well, that's, that's kind of a red flag. So on vacation, went to Barnes and Noble, right? <laughs> I bought Music Theory for Dummies, okay. and I read it like page, page after page for like the entire ride out west and back. <laughs> it was our last family vacation. And, and I just relate to that so much because yeah. I didn't know but I think that perspective of trying to break down the vulnerability with students mm-hmm. coming into college or even going out into the profession of, it's okay that you don't know, but I, we need to start talking about what you do and don't know because I'm here to help you walk that path. I'm your flashlight, but you gotta
0: turn it on. Right. You know. What an incredible education philosophy that is, right? Well, thanks. I mean, I think that's, and, and I've, I've seen that in action, not just like, you know, teaching the music piece, obviously mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's your title. Sure, but sure. you do things like, uh, what is appropriate professional dress? Yeah because that might not be something the student thinks about and is prepared for and aware of. Mm -hmm. Uh, And somebody might say, well, what does that have to do with getting a a degree, you know, that you're gonna be able to go teach music in a K-12 school? Well, it has a lot to do with it. Absolutely. It has a lot to do with any career choice. Absolutely. But I just think that that speaks to, you know, you, like your way of thinking.
1: Yeah, well, and I never really thought about that like to that to that level. So, like with students, with people in general, and I think the nature of what we do with music, it, it's so self-reflective. We're always mm-hmm. like comparing ourselves to others and trying to make what we do better, um, and and it's that iterative process. But encouraging students to look outward too, at what they're about to fit into or be a part of, or in some cases, shape is incredibly important that 's why I believe in like you know that you know we took the marching band over to Ireland for the st patrick 's parade i 'm about to take fourteen students to Italy to do a side by side concert with a band outside of Milan and part of the reason for that is yeah I want them I want them to keep engaging with music, but I want them to see how other people across mm-hmm. the world are doing this because it 's that connection it's that relationship that there, it, it's that model of being in a new situation, and I don't know if you remember the first time you traveled internationally, but it can kind of be yeah yeah a little intimidating, and once a student does it, and they develop that self confidence, they can rear view mirror that so to speak and apply that to
0: everything that they do, yeah, and that's huge yeah. Because you're you're thinking about what is that student's, the, their students that they're teaching yes. their first experience. Yeah. Um, and I do think a lot of people don't realize that, you know, like, um, you know, you're a marching band guy, I'm a marching band guy. And like, I, I, I when I started teaching marching band, one of the things that kind of was this eye opener for me was like the first time we took coach buses somewhere with that band. Oh, yeah. And there were kids getting on the bus and they were just like, and I was like, whoa, reality check, like, well, they never would have had a chance to be on a coach bus. And then the first time, you know, for them, like, we go on a band trip that we had to fly. Mm -hmm. Another reality check. So, and, and then that's, and to your point, I love that just analogy, you just said the rear view mirror. Yeah. Because you do remember that and now think about that for future students, and you're doing that on so many levels, uh, and I think it's just so impressive what you're doing. Well, there. thank you. Thank so you. let's let's totally shift topics and talk sure. about something else that uh, is is pretty incredible that you're doing at Slippery Rock. So, um, I mean, is is the title of it the Composer Diversity Project? Is that what is is it titled something or? We haven't
1: necessarily titled
0: it yet. Okay.
1: But that's, that frames it pretty well. Okay. Yeah, and that, may, that might shift here pretty soon. I can give you the summary Yeah, if absolutely, like. please. Okay. So during the pandemic, uh, when we were completely online, right? So this was like in March to April of 2020, we were trying to think of ways, like how are we gonna keep the students connected, engaging with each other, engaging with music, and give them some sort of anchor in the craziness that was happening, um, but also continue their professional development, obviously. So I sent out a a survey to the students that included a variety of topics that I was ready to lecture on and to give them activities to do, so on and so forth. We, I sent out things like voodoo in the wind band, which I thought that's, you know, that's a winner, that they're obviously
0: gonna pick that. And this is something you're you're totally prepared to speak on this topic. Absolutely, I can give you the next 20 minutes if you'd like. (laughs) that is a future podcast because <laughs> right. I want to hear this. But okay, go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> sure.
1: sorry. Um, uh, and then, like diversity in wind band literature, the history of the wind, history and development of wind band in the United States. The the thing that even uh, I can't remember if it beat voodoo in the wind band or if it was a really close number two was diversity in wind band literature. I thought, wow, this is awesome. Okay, let's do this. Through the process, <clears throat> very Reader's Digest version of this. The students started um, to then this is very organic um, we, we started talking about identity and intersectionality, and your identity and other people's identity, and how the music that you create, consume, produce, etc, how it is shaped by that identity, and how systems, right, shape the music mm-hmm. that gets put in front of us. And that started unraveling a lot of discussion and a lot of feedback. So then we fast forward to the fall, and the students, at the end of the course, we do course evaluations, and they kept saying, like, we want to continue this conversation. We want to keep doing this. Like, what can we do next? And so we devoted one day a week to um, basically taking our entire music library, thousands of pieces. We distilled it down to every unique composer that was in there, and we did a demographic study of our entire library. And we did our very best, um, it's certainly flawed, but we did our best to account for visible and invisible diversity, and categorize composers so that we could start mapping out the statistics and represent it visually so that we could understand how we were being impacted by our library and how systems and history right. impacted our like what we put on our programs. So we're getting to equitable programming practices, right? And what we found is that obviously, there are our dominant identities that are overrepresented, which no surprise, I mean, we're not surprised to find this at all. Um, and the students compared that data to the demographics of Swope, Um, our music music building, our university, and the the nation. And they even started asking questions about the census and how the census could be, you know, shading Mm -hmm. what we see um, based on what we're looking for um, and what we acknowledge is out there, which, I mean, that's a whole nother podcast. So this unraveled into the students wanted to be agents of change. So I pointed them in directions of like, and, and you know, structured it along the way where we wrote grants. We've received about uh, $6,000 total in grant funding. We're gonna commission a composer um, from an underrepresented background that the the students um, basically studied the literature of different composers, met these folks at Midwest, talked to them, engaged wow. with them. Yeah, and and then we as a wind ensemble voted on the first person that we were gonna pick. And that person is Matt Campbell. Um, we're super excited to have him on board for this project. And I, I, there, there are times when you're doing something and you know that it's like, this is what you're supposed to be doing because it's like the universe just makes it so mm-hmm. easy. Right? <laughs> it's like, okay, um, this, this composer is so genuine. He's so, he's so good with the students. He is so easy to work with. And he picked, I'm not gonna announce the title, but he picked a title and a theme for the piece that frames this into the future. Because the students as part of this wanted, not required, but suggested to whoever participates in this piece, we're gonna do a consortium in addition to the grant mm-hmm. funding, but it's gonna lay down a legacy fund to hopefully do this in the future. Well now, will it be every year, every two years? I don't know, uh, we'll see how that pans out. But it's, it's gonna be a grade um, three to four work about six minutes long. So it's going to be appropriate for like upper level, uh, junior high or high school. And we're trying to get as many people on board mm-hmm. as we can.
0: Uh, curious for uh, you know, you talk about how great the composer has been with the students. You know, has have, have they done anything like this before where it was so? student-driven and and a bunch of student-driven? Yeah, not like this.
1: So um, right now, mainly the officers of the Wind Ensemble and really Ben Johnston, who's a music therapy major and oboe uh, player in the Wind Ensemble, and Emily Eastman have been uh, the people making the most contact or the most organization around the project right now. And it's... (laughs) We've premiered pieces before, right? We've been part of consortia, so on and so forth. So they've done that. They've worked with, like, guest conductors and guest composers and that kind of thing. But this is just sort of taking it to a whole new level. And I could not be more excited yeah, it's going to take place.
0: Um, so also as part of this, you know, you analyzed the music library. Yeah. Yeah. And so it probably validated what you knew or maybe...
1: Yeah, I mean, it. yeah, it did. I, it, we went in, and maybe maybe it was a little bit of research bias, but it, it turned out to be true, right? Like, the statistics don't lie. Um, but we knew going in that this is going to be a heavily white, Caucasian, you know,
0: male library. And so now is that, like, we were making a very conscious effort. I'm sure you were probably making yeah. an effort before that, but now even the students are aware yeah,
1: yeah of that. absolutely absolutely.
0: So uh, you know, how do you balance then how, when, is, you, is someone if you're programming you know all the time and and music teachers out there are programming all the time. Sure. there are those classic pieces of wind band music mm-hmm. that you could probably list that says every student should, do this at some point. Sure. And I sure. would say that too. Absolutely. And uh, maybe we have some overlap, and I bet we don't have some overlap. Yeah, yeah. But many of them are from that very particular thing. Sure. You know. So when, as you're programming, I'm, the question I'm getting to is, you know, as you're programming, how do you really consider that that balance of I really want them to be exposed to. Uh, the whole suites so we'll sure. yeah, of absolutely. plus something from a current living composer of an mm-hmm. up- underrepresented you know because there's only so much time.
1: yeah. that that's something that we all as, as conductors as teachers, as educators, I think we're always concerning ourselves with because also the music we pick, you know if we know that our students are not as good at this one thing, I want to make sure that that's I program. Not- another that thing right. as part of the pedagogy right and we also know that we teach like we were taught and i know i don't you know whoever's out there you know the amount of time that we have to really look at a lot of different literature it seems like that time is becoming shorter and shorter right. as as we pick up administrative duties as we lose substitute teachers and we have to com- cover somebody else's class that's hard so I do believe that the classics, you know, the classics of tomorrow are being written today, right? So those whole suites, that's happening now. And I think the more we stay current, the more we listen to podcasts about wind band literature, the more that we go to these conferences, the more that we share and connect as colleagues, the better it's going to be. And the more that we look at publishing companies that are making like a conscious effort Mm. To put a lot of music from a lot of different identities and perspectives out there, the better that is. And one of those, I'll, you know, just to plug it, um, is you know Murphy Music Press. I mean, he's doing a fantastic job of just getting so many composers' uh, voices out there, which is awesome. But I think, I think too, the more that we have conversations about equitable programming practices, the more that we're going to learn about. All of these emerging composers but all of these composers that have been there all along that we right. just haven't had i don't want to say access to because that's not true but that we haven't accessed we haven't consciously mm-hmm. gone out and accessed so
0: uh so we've kind of talked about well, you know the what's next for this project but mm-hmm. kind of in general um for the the programs you oversee at slippery rock what's next what's on the horizon oh my gosh well i'm about to go like i said before to, to
1: italy My friend Armando, Armando Saldarini, he and I went to school together at the University of Southern Mississippi. You were six degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> and now I want bacon, um, <laughs> if only. Now, um, so we're going to go um, out to Milan, well it's really Trujillo, but we're flying into Milan um, and I'm taking 14 students along with my colleague Kathy Malego. We're going to do a side-by-side concert, rehearsals, all of that kind of stuff. We're going to tour the region. And then in the fall, he's gonna bring 14 of his community band members to Slippery Rock so that both communities get to benefit from this sort of partnership. Um, we are also going to do, you know, a, the London New Year's Parade uh, January 1st of this upcoming year. Just the London New Year's Parade. <laughs> I'm so excited for that because, you know, and, and you know from international travel, when, especially a performance of that like nature, when those students, Perform in front of over half a million people—they come out the other end changed. Right. They really do, and that sort of thing is for the next 20, 25 years. That's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Like not necessarily the international piece, but watching that transformative experience happen with students—that's a drug. Yeah, and I'm addicted. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know. Oh, I love it. Well, you know, I always love to see what what you guys are doing because it's always something new and innovative. Uh, well, you're, you. you 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 don't do the same thing twice, uh, <laughs> and, and I love it. And your students absolutely benefit for it. Well, thanks. And you. and the whole music education community does as well. So, Jonathan, thanks for joining us. Oh, well, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Happy And too. and thank you all for joining us on uh, PNC Center podcast. We want to thank our sponsor, the Grove City College Department of Music. We will see you next time.